behind the shades. My kiddo actually just left yesterday to go see her dad in Hawaii for three weeks. So um, I got a whole lot of stuff done yesterday and today. It's like, woo, all the stuff I can do. <laughs> when, you have an empty, when you have an empty house, it's like you can save the world. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> nice. <laughs> so I guess we'll officially get started. And okay. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades. I have... The talented, the multitasker, right? I can add that to, to, to your title here. Erin <laughs> with us today. And Erin, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and tell us who you are? Uh, well, that's a long conversation. Um, no, actually, it's not. I, um, I call myself the joy slinger. So that means I'm slinging joy um, versus happiness, which we can talk about in a little bit what the difference is between the two. Um, but I typically work with entrepreneurs and people in leadership positions, not exclusively, but mostly, um, that are overwhelmed, stressed out, have anxiety, um, because of their position or just who they are. Um, and the reason I do that is because I had an anxiety disorder that I, um, had that was so extreme that it had me hold up in my home for nearly a year and I uh, once I got better I decided I was going to figure out why that happened and develop some strategies to overcoming it and preventing it so that other people didn't have to have that experience and so that's what I do I do that uh, individually with uh, people and I also do it in um, classes that I teach Perfect. So take us a little bit from the, the genesis or the beginning of it. How did you end up at the point where you're suffering anxiety and you're in your home away from everyone else for almost a year? How did you reach that point? So interestingly enough, it started with I was going to counseling, you know, just regular talk therapy um, with an ex-boyfriend. We were trying to figure out why we couldn't get along <laughs> and um, or at least stay getting along. And um in the first session, I had a panic attack and I'd never had one before, so I didn't really know what it was. And uh, the counselor picked up on it right away. She said, are you okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> and I explained to her what was going on and my heart was racing and I felt like I couldn't breathe and all the things. And she explained to me the, you know, the whole onion theory were layered and obviously something's coming up and what I like to do some individual counseling. So I went ahead and agreed to do that. And through that counseling process, I obviously didn't go from one day being totally normal to the next day being <laughs> holed up into my apartment, but it started, it was gradual, right? So I started with the panic attacks and then I started having more of them. And then um, at the time I was tr training for a half marathon and then I started to have um, a panic attack. I had a, like a full blown, like scary one while I was running and um, I was like, I had to walk home four miles. And so I was like, oh, I guess I can't run at least for a little while. So you start to narrow your life by taking these things out, right? So all of a sudden it was, I can't run anymore, which, you know, for people with mental health issues, um, obviously exercise can be quite helpful. Um, so, you know, I stopped exercising and then I started getting real crazy about, you know, eating a super clean diet, which was okay. Um, and somewhat helpful, um, but then other things like working. I was working with um, special ed kids in the high school I was teaching, and um, I started to have them 
in the classroom and it freaked me out and I didn't want them to get upset. And so then I stopped working. And so as you can see, like it just started to get narrower and narrower and narrower. And um, after about uh, eight months of that, the counselor said, I want to refer you to a homeopathic psychiatrist. Um, and so I went um, with an open mind and she had a three hour interview and then she gave me a remedy, asked me to wait 20 minutes and I left. And within that 20 minutes, about 80 to 85% of my anxiety was gone. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I might actually be able to have a life here. Um, and so I started slowly to get back into my life. Um, but the issue is that you can fix the chemistry that's going on in your body, but when your mental, uh, you know, capacity is not um, changed, then you're prone to recreating that over and over again, that experience. And so it took another um, decade to start sort of unpacking all of those things and realizing that you know, I wasn't living a real quality of life. I was basically starting all over again, you know, being in anxiety, having a lot of stress, being very overwhelmed. Um, you know, and I st had started a business, it took off, it was crazy busy. I had, you know, 20 plus employees and, um, and hundreds of clients. And so it was just, it was a lot. And um, I had a little scare that happened about 10 years into my business being Oh, and I didn't tell you, I moved to Hawaii because <laughs> we all think, oh, I want a simpler life. I'll just move somewhere simple. But the problem is, again, you are there. And if you haven't dealt with your stuff, you take your stuff with you <laughs> to that location. And, um, and, you know, happiness or joy in this case is not in a location. It's an internal experience that you create. And that's what I help my clients do. So I had a... 10 years into that business, I had a um, scare. I almost uh, killed somebody by being so crazy about trying to get somewhere because I was, um, you know, in integrity. I wanted to make sure that a client was okay. And I raced over to a friend's house to drop my kid off. And I like raced into her um, driveway backing in and I sideswiped my car and her husband's truck. And as I found out later, when I came back to pick up my daughter, her husband was under the truck working on it and it scared me to the core and I just went I can't do this anymore I really have got to figure out a way to be calmer and not get so excited about all these things that are going on in my life um, and so I started down the path of you know going to seminars and self-development and all that sort of thing um, and then later on, uh, about seven years later, um, I was going through a divorce and it completely leveled me. And I um, realized that after I'd spent those tens of thousands of dollars doing all those seminars and reading all those books, that I didn't have any real strategies. And so, um, you know, here I was at one of the worst times in my life and I didn't, I knew there was another life out there to lead that felt better than the one I was leading, but I didn't have any strategies to getting there. And so um, I was inspired to figure out how was I gonna teach other people so that they could have that experience too once I figured out how to, it was kind of a crazy experience um, figuring it all out, but 
it, there is more. And if people are here listening to this, they, they must know that because this is not the kind of podcast that's about fluff. It's about like, what's, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I thank you for sharing that because so many of us, and I look at my friends, I look at my circle and to a degree, I look at, um, maybe some of the relationships I've been in friendship or romantic professional or, or personal, and you look at it and you can bring your problems wherever it is you go. Like I can come from Toronto to where you are, from where you are, we can go wherever. And if I have a problem that I haven't resolved or one that is have a, has a significant hold on me, no matter where I go, it's going to follow me. It's not like it's a suitcase where you can just drop it at Toronto. I'm like, okay, guys, <laughs> off to Hawaii I go. And you know what? It's not there. But the opposite seems to be true when it comes to joy, right? You can be joyous in Toronto, but not so much in another part of the world. But if you're miserable in one part of the world, it seems to be more likely than not you're going to be miserable that part of the world and looking back on what you shared and what you experienced and how you're helping others were you surprised about the things you found out about yourself during this time from almost um, sideswiping someone who's working on the truck um, from the divorce from the anxiety from all these things happening were you did it catch you off guard to the point where you were surprised saying that i can't believe me, Aaron, is going through that right now. You know, if I'm being honest, I one of the things that I teach people is that you are not your thoughts and you are not your emotions. And I didn't know that before. And so I thought that I was those things. You know, I thought that that's what life was, was being in reaction to everybody and everything. And every thought I had, you know, I didn't realize that we make up stories about things, right? Like when we don't understand something or somebody doesn't communicate with us or, you know, a situation happens, then we start to analyze the situation and say, oh, uh, this person must be this or that. And then we don't actually go back when we find out the truth of the matter. We don't go back and go, wait, that didn't actually happen, right? So I was sort of, I mean, for not oblivious is not exactly the right word, but sort of, you know what I mean? Like I was just so caught up in my thoughts and in my reaction to people and circumstances that I just thought that's what life was. It was just a series of challenges. And, you know, um, I would just try to analyze all of them and I have a degree in psychology. So, (laughs) There are things that I learned getting my degree that I didn't really, I didn't really use until the last five years where I was like, oh, that's what they meant by that. You know, (laughs) it's just, it's so, um, the cycle of, you know, being lost in your life and in the challenges and the, you know, stuff is just sort of insidious. It just kind of like seeps in and you don't even recognize it or at least I didn't. Um, And um, so in terms of like, you know, I was just in it, you know what I mean? I was just always in every challenge, problem, whatever, all day, every day. I mean, I think about it now and like, it was exhausting. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even maintain that anymore. Um, 
but yeah, it just, I think that a lot of people are having that experience. I don't, I mean, do you think that, or that they're I lost do. in their thoughts and their stories Absolutely. that they're making up? And Absolutely. It's, it's like your, it's like you have the reality, you and I right now, right? And then we're so into our own thoughts, into our own mind, and we just get lost in it. And you can think so many things, right? Like you can be in a situation where you lose yourself in your thoughts and your thoughts become reality, but the reality is not real. Yeah. You're right. You're living something where you're going through this pain. These things are happening to you, but because you're just in your own world, right? Like, and that's the same, right? Where you just, it's like you're, to use your word, it's not necessarily oblivious, but that's probably the closest description where you're so unaware of what is going on around you because you're so lost or you're just living in your own head. And I absolutely do agree. There's, I remember one of my friends, she was going through, um, she was in an abusive relationship. And up until someone else was going through it, she couldn't see the abuse because in her mind, it was something else. But in reality, it was something totally different. And I think that's the part that's scary because I think that's how some of us rationalize it by saying that, you know what, this abuse isn't that bad because in my mind, I'm happy. In my mind, I'm living the best life. I have a roof over my head. I have a warm body next to me. I was talking to a relationship coach and she was telling me so many people stay in those situations or they live in their minds because it's simple. It's safer. It's the known, right? I mean, most times when people are in abusive relationships, it's because they know that they had that experience before or they had something similar. It may not have been a verbal or it may not have been physical or um, sexual or whatever it was. Um, but the, all the nuances to abuse are similar, right? So it's, you know, possessiveness and, you know, isolating people and those sorts of things um, exist in all those types of abuse. And so they typically have had that experience before. And so it becomes, yeah, that is the norm, you know, but I always like to say, you know, it's like we're inside of the jar and we want to read the ingredients, but they're on the outside of the jar. So we can't see them. It's so close right there. But we can't quite see, right? Because we're so close to ourselves. We can't really see what's going on. And that's why I do what I do is because um, it's so interesting because I have people contact me and they're, they're not quite sure why they've contacted me and um, they want help, but they're still unsure what's going on in their lives, you know? And in a matter of a couple of exercises, I go, wow, well, this is what's happening in your life, you know? And that's something that you want to work on because um, you can release that and heal from it and move on and um, and experience this life very differently. Do you find it difficult to get them on that path to where they can do the exercises and actually realize what is going on? And I'll tell you why I asked that. Um, because you mentioned something interesting when you were you know in your apartment by yourself. It's, it's it's more comfortable. It's safer to be that way versus confronting the issue at hand, right? So when you had to confront it for yourself and you're helping these people confront it, how do you get them 
to reach that point where they can ultimately be where you are today? Um, it's so interesting. I mean, part of what I love about what I do is that everybody comes in a different, um, with different experiences, right? And then also kind of um, levels is not the right word, but like with in different places in their life, you know? And so um, navigating that and different personalities and egos and all of that is kind of what's fun for me in terms of like, you know, understanding humans and just we're so nuanced and, and, and wonderful and um, different and, um, and complex, you know, and that's, that's what's interesting for me. Um, and so just sort of navigating, like where, where's your, well, I'll tell you, I always start with like every, every client, just about every client I've started with, you know, tell me your story. Right. And that's, you know, that story that has all the rainbows and sunshine and no, it's the, <laughs> it's that's, the, that's uh, the best, that's the best place to start. That's why first thing I asked you, you tell me your story, right? Let's set no, the scene. Right. Here yeah. comes the here comes the the main cast and we <laughs> Yeah, no, it's all the junk, right? It's all the yucky stuff that happened and all the wrongs and all the things. And and as soon as they finish telling me that story, I tell them you don't get to tell me that story again. In fact, you don't get to tell that story again ever. And they're kind of like shocked, like, what? Like, yeah, because that story is not actually who you are. It's something that happened to you. You were there, but who you are, the essence of who you are is not that story. That's just experiences that are for our benefit. They are for our benefit. Even, I mean, and I've heard some horrific things, like lots of them. <laughs> um, they are for our benefit. They are for our personal evolution, self-development, spiritual uh, awakenings, whatever you want to call that, consciousness. It's the same thing. We, I truly believe we are here to evolve spiritually. And that is the work. We do all these other things while we're here, like make money and have families and do all this stuff. Those are supporting this idea that you are going to grow. And the people that we call into our lives are the gifts that show us where growth can take place. And so when we are butting up against people in work, in life, in personal, with your kids, all those things are gifts. Those are, oh, I have an issue there. You know, um, my daughter and I have been uh, laughing about it recently <laughs> because with all this like in at home, uh, you know, pandemic education thing, um, I've started realizing that after 5.30 or six o'clock, I don't want to do homework anymore. And I start to like, my voice starts to raise, you know, I start to get a little bit more short, right? And we started laughing about it recently because I was just like, oh, there's something there. There's like a belief or something that, you know, or there's an experience I had in the past where 536 o'clock, it's time to pack it in and like, just relax, right? <laughs> and so... It's those moments. I mean, that's a silly little example. It's the other ones where, you know, you're just going, this coworker is, you know, whatever, rude or obnoxious or, you know, agitates me, right? They are that gift. It's like, oh, it's not about them. It's not, 
you know, this person makes me feel this way. It's I feel this way because of something that they're doing. What is it about me that I can look at here? Not about them. They're just being them and doing them. Where am I in all of these things? So every time we get agitated, that's what emotions are when we have reaction, emotional reaction. It's like, oh, that's an opportunity for me to go, oh, what's going on with me that I'm upset right now on some way? That's exactly what we have to do is that self-reflection, identify why is it that I'm reacting that way? Right? Like if you look at the dynamic between us, the conversation, the laughing, the good time, it's the energy back and forth. But if someone is doing something that kind of rubs you the wrong way, it may be unintentional, but you have to ask yourself, why is it that this person is able to get this type of response out of me, right? 100%. And, and you can usually pinpoint it to something that happened in your past, either your childhood or early adulthood, joy, happiness, feeling wanted, big smiles on their faces, you know, skipping down the road. <laughs> we all want that, right? Um, but the people you deal with, why do you think... As much as every single person wants it, why do you think so many people are unable to obtain it? Well, first I'd like to say the difference between happiness and joy is happiness is based on an external event or thing, right? It's like, oh, I got a new car. That's super exciting, but it's fleeting, right? Because it's a new car for a little while and then it's just a car, right? And it's just a house and it's just a job and it's just a you know, so when we're basing it on things or circumstances, then it's not joy. It's happiness for a little period of time. Joy is an internal experience that you can create regardless. You were sort of hinted and alluded to it earlier, regardless of what's going on and who's in your presence. And, and that is what I teach people how to have. Um, in terms of why people are not in a state of joy on a regular basis, it's because we don't talk about it. We're not taught that. We aren't taught to be in happiness or joy. We're taught that, well, actually happiness, we sort of are, right? It's like, if you have, you know, the car, the house, the job, the 2.5 kids, the uh, relationship, then you have no reason but to be happy. Like you've made it, that's success. And the reality is, is there's nothing in that there. There is not enough money to be made. There's not a good enough car. Like there's always going to be a better car. There's always going to be a bigger house. There's always going to be more money to be made. You know, the relationship's always going to need work. Like all of those things are based on something that will never be enough. And that was my experience. I built this business. It took off like gangbusters. I made a ton of money. I had <clears throat> five houses, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, I was, my um, ex-husband and I were you know, buying houses and fixing them up and renting them out and doing, we had all the things. I was miserable. <laughs> I was a hundred percent miserable. And most of my clients who were multi-billionaires, multi-millionaires, some of the most miserable people I've ever met. And it's because of this internal state. Again, you can take somebody who's miserable, give them a bunch of money, they're still going to be miserable. You can give them all the things. They're miserable, right? Because that is the work. It's the internal work. It's not based on all this other stuff out here. It's 
how can I be content within myself and experience that joy? And I'll tell you, you sort of talked about it before. So at a young age, between zero and actually they're sort of up in air about this five or eight, you created basically the landscape for how you were going to live your life, how you were going to make decisions, what was right or wrong, what you needed to show up, how you needed people to be, how you needed circumstances to be like that all was established a long time ago. And because we don't have these conversations and people don't understand how the mind works and how it's created this for so long, it goes unchallenged. And so we don't recognize as individuals that we actually are individual. Um, because I had these experiences based on what actually happened, based on what I decided happened. And then from that, I created the filters or the lens in which I see this world. And my lens and filter is different than yours because you had different experiences. And although we act like we all are the same, we're not. And then we don't talk about this. So what happens is we go around projecting all of our things on everybody else and wanting them to show up how we need them to be, right? So I give you a gift, you don't say thank you, I'm upset, right? That's a right or wrong belief, right? It's those little things, but like on bigger scales too, like bigger things like, you know, sometimes it's wrapped up in religion, sometimes it's in politics. All those rights and wrongs that we decided as, you know, I believe in, you know, whatever, Democrats, or I believe in, um, you know, eating candy for breakfast, whatever the thing is, right? Like those, those things determine our whole life. And we just don't talk about these things and people don't know. And so, you know, that's why I was so kind of unconscious for so long. Cause I was just like, oh, I did all the things I made a business and it made a bunch of money and I'm still miserable. <laughs> How come? Yeah. And that's what we're taught at such a, a young age where it's, you, you open up a Google and you type in happy couple and these people look like superheroes, right? Perfect teeth, <laughs> you know, perfect complexion. They have the, the, the income, they have the family, they have the dog, they have the white picket friends and 2.5 kids. But what like if you, for all those listening, if you take a step back and say, okay, you know, this is what I'm told because I was told the same thing, you're told the same thing. I think the messaging is consistent. Doesn't matter the color of your skin, your background, your culture, whatever. It's just, you know what? Make as much money as possible. You're going to be happy. It's almost like a guarantee. But you made a good point where you were very successful. You had the five houses. You had the, the marriage at the time. You had all these things. And this is the question I, I always tell people or I would ask them. If you believe making, let's say, six figures is going to make you happy, no one thinks, no one asks themselves this question. What if I get to six figures? Right? Like, what if I make the amount of money that I believe is going to make me happy? What if I get to that point and I'm not happy? What's the alternative? Make more money? Well, you can't do that because you already know that the happiness is fleeting. You can't make less money because now you're going to feel like you wasted all this time. So... You made a really good point when you mentioned joy is more inside because 
you want to feel joy you want to feel joy when you have that you know that used Honda Civic instead of <laughs> right the the Lamborghini that's brand new that you know what you've as soon as you before you enter it you're taking 10 selfies with it just because you love the car so much and you think it's going to bring you all this type <laughs> of happiness right but i always wonder is it a simpler approach that is going to be better off or do you have an idea of where do we need to take the next generation to make sure that we are having these types of conversations because not many people are having it and how many, and how often do we honestly ask ourselves or those close to us do you feel joy are you happy what makes you feel joy yeah i mean i would attest that a lot of people don't even know what joy is i mean they have moments of joy like when they're you know create a memory with a family member or your children or you just have that perfect day when you're on vacation or whatever the thing is but that's again it's like the reason we like the reason we like vacation is because we're in the present moment right and so vacation is like especially like if you travel overseas and you have to deal with like different cultures and language and everything like there's no more present moment than like I got to figure out how to eat a meal here in a second cuz I'm hungry, <laughs> you know, and um and I don't speak the language, so I got to work something out here, right? And so you are at every moment like you're not in your present reality, right? You're stepped you've stepped out of your life and stepped in something else. And so you are forced to be in the present. I think that's why we love traveling so much is because Oh, I'm forced to be in the present moment. I teach people how to be in the present moment as often as they can possibly remember and have awareness around it because that's where joy lives is in that mo- in this moment. The as it were, the only moment that we're guaranteed, right? Like we're not guaranteed that we're I mean just cuz most people are living until 80s, 90s, whatever, that doesn't mean we are, but we act as though we've got all the time in the world to do whatever. I'm just going to screw off this day because um, you know, I've I'm, you know, 50, I still got at least a couple more decades to go, right? And we I'm not feel saying like we're going to live relax. Yeah, we feel like we're going to live forever. Eh, you know what? I could spend the first 1000 years messing up, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I think like There is no wrong answer to any of this, right? Like we're all here on our path on, um, and we are on our path, even when it feels like we're all messed up and making bad decisions and doing all the things, right? Like that's all still part of it. And it's okay to be, to be, um, you know, missing or not making good decisions or, you know, or what we think are bad decisions. I think everything is a good decision. I think we don't take into account that, you know, I mean, people who've lost people suddenly, they get that there's not forever. They get that, you know, things happen suddenly and all of a sudden there's, there's a person missing in your life. Um, If we lived more in that space, not from a fear base, but from a like, I'm going to take this life by the horns and do all the things at every moment that I can possibly think to do that is going to bring me joy and balance and love into my life, then 
that would be a very different humanity, I think. Yeah, is that is that a perspective that looking back on what you went through that you had? Like, do you think that would have helped you? Because I totally agree that when you have a situation that has made you realize that, you know what, your life can be taken like that. It puts so many things in perspective. Is that a perspective that you wish you had looking back? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it just takes a crisis to like wake up, you know, like to figure it out. I, I like to tell people that it, you don't have to be in crisis in order to, you know, evolve. Um, but usually that's the thing that like, you know, gets us to stand up and go, oh, okay, I don't like this thing. All of a sudden this feels really bad. I got to do something about this. Um, and so I think, you know, that, you know, while it doesn't take that, it's kind of often how we get to that next step, how we decide that, yeah, like I want to have a different life. I want to lead a different life. I want to have different things in my life. I want to, um, you know, experience things in a way that is happy for me. And, um, you know, we don't, I mean, I guess we can't, I try to be at present as often as I possibly can, but it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's not work. It's just um, the awareness piece, right? Because we're just so distracted all the time by all the things. And so, you know, I always think, well, you know, as often as I can remember that I'm going to do that thing so that I can experience joy as often as I can. And, and that's kind of, you know, what I'm teaching uh, people to do is to go, hey, you know, we don't, we're not guaranteed a whole lot of anything. And so without that guarantee, when we can understand that we don't have all the time in the world, then obviously we're living a very different experience. We are being more present. We are able to um, experience um, joy on a regular basis because the um, sort of the nonsense or the noise that's going on around us all the time is not um, distracting us anymore. So take us through it. Like when you, you, you mentioned joy and you want it to be like impenetrable, you want it to be this force, right? That kind of protects us, that shields us from basically everyday life because everyday life is difficult, right? Just getting up and existing in the current conditions is hard enough for many of us, right? So when you mentioned joy and you explained it and you so well, and you've given so many examples and you mentioned that not many of us talk about it because maybe we don't even know what it, we, we don't even know what it is, or we don't even know how to get it for ourselves. But when you say that you want it to be impenetrable, how can I help me get it? How can you help me get impenetrable joy? So I'm shielded against the, the pains of everyday life. I think part of it is what I talked about prior to um, a little bit earlier, which was um, this idea that we are, well, first of all, that we're not our emotions and we're not our thoughts. Those two things are key to understanding that, you know, if I'm not my thoughts and I'm not my emotions, then who am I, right? 
that gives you some separateness. So I'll tell you why I know you're not your thoughts and your emotions. It's because you can have a thought and know what that thought is and recognize it. So who is that? Who's that spectator? That's actually who you are. And you can have an emotion, label that emotion. That's how you know you're not your emotions. And so when you can create separateness between who you actually are and your thoughts and your emotions, then you can start to like um, relax, right? Because it's like, oh, I don't have to be in reaction to that person. I can slow myself down and respond. I can take that information in and respond. I can start to understand that, um, you know, other people, you know, all the things that are going on for them, you know, is theirs and I get to have my own. And, you know, this whole blaming thing, like, oh, they made me feel like I'm, you know, like I'm upset now because they said this or did this or this didn't turn out how I wanted to. And when you understand that that's all like on purpose and like for our development, then you can begin to look at this life like a game. It's like, oh, what am I here to learn today? Right. Versus like, what am I being challenged with now? And oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. And how do I deal with these people and this thing and all that? You know, we don't have to do that. We can slow it all down. And, um, and like I say, get into our body. You know, we're often, we're so into our thoughts that we're not in our body. We're not really even feeling where we're at. Like taking in, you know, all of the senses on a regular basis is one way to get in present moment. Or stopping, like I always have a plant on my desk. Like I'll just look at the plant for a minute and go, wow, just in wonder, right? Like it's so, like if we could approach this life in wonder, in awe, in um, like wanting to learn about people and ourselves and things, it would be a very different world. You know, instead of trying to uh, navigate it from the perspective of, you know, I already know these things because I've had that experience and do it more from a perspective of that's interesting. Why did I just raise my voice right then? That's interesting. Why did I just flip that guy off in traffic? That's interesting. <laughs> you know, why am I like, why am I clenching my teeth right now? Because somebody at the office, you know, said or laughed or did something that, agitated me, right? Like if we did that kind of work, it would be very different experience. And it's interesting to under, like, why do I raise my voice when I'm doing homework after 5.30? Where does that come from? Not because we need to stew in all those emotions, just go, that's so interesting. There's something that happened there that every time 5.30 hits, I'm not interested in homework, right? <laughs> so- and, and the other thing I wanted to talk about was that, you know, we, you know, I don't know so much in Canada, I assume it's the same, but, you know, we like to do this, what I call like positive shaming thing here, <laughs> where it's like something happens and instead of just acknowledging that it sucked, we go, oh, well, this thing happened and it sucked, um, but, you know, I'm blessed. I can't complain. You know, we do those sorts of things. It's like, okay, you know, if it's just a little nothing, but we do that for bigger things too. And so if we could just go, oh, I am having this experience and it doesn't feel good. And I'm just going to sit with it for a minute and kind of like, where is it in my body? Where is it? Is it my throat? Is it my heart? 
So my gut, you know, like my neck, my back hurts. Like, where is that? And where maybe has that happened before in my life, you know? And start to relate it to other things so we can start to understand ourselves deeper. And that's how we just sit with ourselves a little bit more and just allow us to have these emotions and get through them versus like, you know, I need to have a couple glasses of wine or I need to, you know, get lost in social media or sex or drugs or, you know, whatever. It's like, no, let's just have an emotion, sit with it for a minute, not get all crazy about it and just wonder, like, I wonder why that's there. Like, what, what's that signaling for me? Yes, it seems that instead of wondering or trying to understand, we just want to bury it in something else, right? You mentioned the drugs, you mentioned alcohol, you mentioned the sex, you mentioned the social media, you mentioned so many things. And that's not the way to do it because we don't ever get to address it. We don't ever get to understand it. And I like well, the that's point why that when a crisis happens, we freak out, right? Because it's like, all of a sudden we can't, right? We have a crisis and I can't find, I can't find enough alcohol to make it go away. You know, I can't find enough drugs. My fridge is empty and there's no, nothing <laughs> chocolate to eat. Yeah, there's no there's ice no cream. Chips. There you go. That's <laughs> right on. What you're saying is right on. Because yeah. you can't talk about a problem when, you, when you're eating, right? Because you, you accuse your mouth in one or two ways, right? Either you're eating or you're talking. You can't eat and talk, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's just so many ways to just not feel. You know what I mean? And we're just so used to. I mean, we don't even allow others to feel. Little kid hurts themselves and we're like, it's okay. It's okay. It's like, they get to feel hurt too. They get to, you know, bum their knee on the ground and be okay with like crying. And, you know, um, I'm not asking people to like sit in those emotions forever. I'm just saying if we would versus tamping them down all the time, we would just like acknowledge and go, wow, that's interesting. I'm hurting right now. I wonder what that's about. And then move on with our day, you know, instead of just going, I don't have time for that. I got to like, you know, eat a tub of ice cream and move on with my life. <laughs> yes, I think we should experience a feel, like whatever it is that you're feeling, experience emotion, understand it, and then resolve it and move on. We don't even want to do that, right? We, you know, um, our relationship, we fall down. Eh, it's not that bad. There goes your positive spin, right? Um, you know, you're someone does something that offends you, you experience it, but you don't even want to understand you just move on and we miss so many steps because i think we're so fast paced now we want everything we want everything we want everything and i was like okay yeah i went to through a divorce it's fine it's settled who am i getting with next there's not even the time to to heal and to understand why we're going through what we're going through and if there was advice you can give for the next generation to help them prepare themselves. What kind of advice would you give them, Erin? You know, I'm super excited about these next generations coming up. I, I mean, you know, millennials got a lot of um, flack and have been getting a lot of flack for a while. Um, honestly, I think they have it 
right in a lot of ways. You know, they recognize that, you know, things like the environment is important, that relationships are important, that people are important, treating people correctly, like in as though they have value in the workplace, um, in their personal lives, you know, having work-life balance. They're doing a lot of these things that, you know, my generation for sure is not, did not do and is not doing, you know. Um, I think a lot of them are on track to recognize that this life is beautiful and that, you know, working all the time is not like, I, I keep, like, it's just been blowing my mind lately. I don't, it so, sounds silly, but it's like we have 24 hours, right? Through 24 hours. Eight of them are supposed to be sleeping ish. I mean, we all hope for that. <laughs> <laughs> Eight of which were supposed to be working. Right. So two thirds gone already. And then the last eight, like everything else has to fit into those, the last eight hours of the day. That seems wrong to me. You know, like since when, I mean, since when do you get eight hours of focused, like in flow, incredible, like stuff done in the workplace? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so silly. Like, I don't understand that now. It's just, it's like blowing my mind lately because, you know, people, you know, with everything that's coming out, everybody's been indoors away from offices, working at home and doing all the things. Production, according to some of the, um, you know, newspaper things that I've read and um, media stuff I've seen is up. People are at home. You know, they're not working eight hours. They got kids at home. They're trying to educate. They got distractions now. They're used to being at the office where they're, you know, I mean, there's coworker distraction, but it's not like their kids walking in when they're having a meeting or they got to make meals or any of those things, right? And production is up. That's fascinating to me because we all know what it's like to be in a flow state where, you know, you have a list of things to do. You got a busy day and you're just knocking it out of the park. Like, all the things, getting it all off your list, crossing it off, getting it done. Is every day like that? Absolutely not. But, and yet we're having people show up to a place for eight hours and maybe we get like four hours worth of actual work done. Yeah, there's a, it's skewed. But I think this, these new gener, these younger generations, like they get it already on some level, they, they really are like, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not working for this person. And, you know, they don't have good ethics. They're not in, interested in helping the environment. They're not interested in, you know, creating perks that allow us to have a personal life um, or spend time with our families, you know, like they, they're getting it. I think they, I don't think they got a hundred percent, but they definitely got a lot of good stuff rolling with their generations, they're just not going to put up with this stuff. And I have, you know, like I have a lot of faith that they're going to clear up a lot of these things, environmental issues and political issues. Like, I mean, I have my fingers crossed on these generations coming up because I think that they get it. I think they can definitely push. And, you know, um, you mentioned millennials and I believe on the age range, I fall into there and it's definitely more aware of what of what what is around them in regards to the environments and social socially and economic issues um it's important to to them right there it's it's a group of people that are saying that you know what why is this happening why is it happening this way why 
isn't it happening this way? There's a lot of questioning the the old regime, so to speak. And I think it makes a good point that if there's going to be a group of people that's going to take any of the issues that have maybe plagued the generation before, or that's, you know, has been um, swept on the rug, I guess is a way to describe it. It's definitely going to come out. So that you made you made a good point that you know what they're they're leading the way when it comes to that for sure. Yeah, I'm super excited, and and also um, you know just all this awareness that's happening, you know, in terms of racial unrest and women's issues, and you know just all of these inequities. Um, they're all coming to the surface, and I think they're leading the charge. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for what they're going to, you know, what your generation and the younger generation are going to bring. I mean, it's exciting. You know, you guys just aren't willing to, um, you know, do status quo. And, and that's, I, I love that. I think that's great.